0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rick West. He's the CEO and co-founder at Field Agent. Rick, welcome back to the show.
1: Man, it is great to be here, Kevin. Thanks for having me back
0: yeah I'm excited to have you on the show again you've been on kind of the radio show a couple of times you've been on the TV show a couple of times and why I really wanted to have you back is to kind of I'm curious really to see kind of how you've taken the couple products we've covered you know months ago kind of see where they are now and then I, I really want to focus on kind of you've you've obviously been super success, successful. You know, you've you've been through kind of a whole startup gamma from kind of coming up with an idea to building it to launching it to getting clients, becoming profitable. Now you have like a a real business that's making money, and I, I kind of want to cover like that whole journey with you, kind of maybe sure. after we cover kind of this intro piece. But but I do think for people that have that don't know who you are or what Field Agent or Jico is. I think we should maybe kind of give them a little bit of an overview of yourself and then let's give an overview of the two companies and then we'll get into some conversation. Does that sound good?
1: That sounds perfect. I'm ready to go.
0: Perfect, man. So let's maybe start off with kind of a bit of your background and kind of where you grew up, where you went to school and kind of how you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah. So so if your listeners are out there, if they are avid readers, they probably have heard of this book that's out and about now. It's called Hillbilly Elegy. Okay, uh, A guy by the name of J.D. Vance wrote this book about his, his background and culture. And the premise behind the book was uh, how culture follows you around. It's really difficult to, to leave that culture. And, and he talked about the Rust Belt in Ohio, which is where he grew up, but his family also grew up in Kentucky, and they were coal miners. And, and I'm one of those guys. I mean, my, my family came from the coal mining you know, country in eastern Kentucky and Appalachia.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, I went from there to the University of Kentucky. went to the big university, and then from that— you kind of progress along to Procter & Gamble. And listen, I've, I lived all over the world. I've lived in throughout the States and Hong Kong and Thailand. And, but all that, all, all that to be said, when you think of my background and my culture, that, that hardworking blue collar kind of guy still there, which I think quite honestly, kind of helped me be the entrepreneur that I am today because I'm not afraid of hard work.
0: Sure. I, I, I think like just to dwell on that point for a second, it i don't even know how to describe it but like the only way i can think about it is it is probably the most if not one of the most difficult things on the entire planet you can do correct (laughs) do you agree yes it is it is (laughs) (laughs) And, and nobody talks about how much of a roller coaster ride it really is right like you can have highs and lows multiple times in like an afternoon, never mind in a week or a month or a year. It's astronomically more difficult than I think anybody realizes. And the only people that truly get it are the ones that are either going through it or have been through it, fair?
1: True, and, true. And there, there's something about too being, uh, being somewhat flexible, but at the same time, uh, I, I don't wanna say that you shouldn't be an expert, but, but sometimes for people, that are really, really good at this thing, uh, it makes it more difficult for them to be able to have the, the breadth that's necessary to be the financial guy in the room, the operations guy in the room, the marketing guy in the room, the social media guy in the room, the motivator, the HR person. I mean, yet You have to be able to kind of ebb and flow with that. And sure. s- For some folks that are, that are absolutely brilliant, uh, that's just not what they're cut out to be. I mean, they want to be the expert on X, and when they walk in the room and walk out, you're like, wow. But they're not the one that you're gonna say, hey, go start this with a white sheet of paper, go start this up and go run with it. So so different people have different backgrounds that make them uniquely designed to be successful in something. That doesn't mean that that you know you, you couldn't be anything you'd you you do not want to be, but but you're gonna have a bend, right? And so my background and culture gives me that bend. When I went to PNG, uh they definitely took me through multiple assignments and, and kept me fresh and and really helped you understand different parts of the business. And so I think I was somewhat uniquely designed to go do this. But that being said, listen, you can be 25 or, or, or 55 and and really have the bug and can make this entrepreneurial thing work. You just have to be able to do hard work uh, and you got to be able to ebb and flow.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that's really good advice, right? But But I'm kind of curious for people that haven't heard of kind of field agent, what exactly is field agent, and kind of what do you guys do?
1: Sure, now, now for your listeners, I need them to think back to the pre-selfie era. I mean, that's a long time ago, Kevin. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ages ago, right? This is 2009. Wow. wow. <laughs> I mean, that I mean for, for, for some folks, are like, well, that's really a long time ago, but it's not that long ago, right? But so, yep. so in that era, you know, the, the smartphone had been out for about 18 months, sure. uh, the iPhone 3S was just on its way out, uh, we, we got that new phone. We we're so excited because you actually had video, and again, still free selfie, no front-facing camera. That's uh, right. But the phone had much better photo capability. Uh, you didn't have to worry about jailbreaking your phone as much. All that technology is happening, and and we were a shopper marketing, shopper research firm trying to use technology to capture information inside of people's homes and inside of stores. Sure. Uh, and, and what was happening at that time, Kevin? We were flying all over the place to capture data. We realized, gosh. Maybe if someone was holding this little thing in their hand called a smartphone, not a Blackberry, but smartphone, sure. maybe that could capture data for us. And so we took the concept of crowdsourcing, which is people everywhere all the time, this thing called technology, made the two together, and in April 2010 uh, launched an app that allowed you to capture data while you are shopping. And so if you fast-forward seven years today – you know, we've got over a million downloads. We do tens wow. of thousands of transactions every single week of everyday people capturing information while they shop. It could be someone a price of a certain item. It could be a competitive set, what's on display, or tell me what uh, new item you found on the shelf. It could be how you use a product or a service. Uh, it could be you test driving a car, uh, all the way up to, hey, would you go to this restaurant and kind of check out this food and tell me what you think. So. That whole premise behind of, you know, mystery shopping or sending contractors out, we disrupted that by bringing crowdsourcing and technology together. So if your listeners are out there today, uh, even if they're a startup, you know, they can literally log on to fieldagent.net today, uh, put together a job, and within 15, 20 minutes have data back from really anywhere in the United States and six other countries that can help them launch a product.
0: Sure. No, that's amazing. And I I think if people want kind of more information about a field agent, and we dive a lot deeper in in the kind of past episodes with you, and I can link those in the show notes as well. I think that makes a lot of sense. But kind of just back to the question for a second. What what I love about what you did kind of with field agent is you've been clearly keeping current with this stuff. And you've been kind of updating you know your products to reflect some of the new stuff and i I think the best example is you touched on is kind of like adding video once you didn't have to jailbreak your iphone to get to record video but you also took kind of the core of field agent and built kind of a spin-off product called jitco and and what i love about that is you basically created a new vertical yeah it took some more work but you weren't starting kind of from scratch to build kind of a second complementary product. So do you maybe want to kind of walk sure. the listener through that journey and then kind of what Jico does today?
1: Sure, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It, it, it's amazing what you can learn if you actually listen to your customers. How about that? I think that's I mean, it's great. Cr- Crazy. That's the best they, advice they, right it's, crazy. it's weird right yeah so, so as, as we're you know entering into you know year six and year seven as we're going through the, the work that was in front of us uh, more and more of our clients or our customers are asking us gosh you know I really don't need to get into a thousand stores I really don't need to have this project I just need a quick answer sure uh, and, and then what we realized is gosh with, with the scale that we have why don't we simply create a search bar similar to what you would find at Google or Bing? Sure. And you can type into the search bar, uh, you know, what does the dairy section look at the new store? It looked like at the new store in Lidl. Uh, tell me what the price of milk is in Aldi. Uh, show sure. me how you store this inside of your home. And by typing that in, uh, we literally take it real time, push that information out, and within about fifteen minutes, wow. you can have information back. And it, again, it's similar to. A, um, a search bar and what that search bar does is pull that information back now five years ago or three or four years ago you could google something and you might find information from six months ago or two years ago but we're talking live data within 15 minutes type it in ask virtually any question you want and you're going to get that and as a matter of fact if you're, your guys are listening now by the time this podcast is over they can have data back so here's my challenge to them uh, they should go to gojico.com, that's G-O-J-I-C-C-O.com. They should log in for a free question, and while they're listening right now, ask a question about something at retail or about some, something in someone's home, and for free, they'll get information back in about 15, 20 minutes. It'll blow their mind.
0: Wow. That's that's really cool, though, right? Because nothing – well, and I would. I'm the second most impatient person I know, so – I think like having that kind of real time feedback you could almost do it at the beginning of a meeting and 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 I'm correct me if I'm wrong but I I thought you I thought you brought that up kind of when we last recorded was kind of you know if if you kind of want to impress at a meeting a little bit it's like you could either do it right before a meeting you know a half hour an hour before a meeting or maybe even during a meeting you say oh somebody's got a question just like Let's go to Jikoda, you know, and check it out. And then by the end of the meeting, you could have an answer because I have my opinions. You have your opinions and neither one is good or bad. It doesn't really matter. But if if we want to know like what the Walmart down the street or or wherever is doing, if you can get that back in, you know, during the time of a meeting, that's pretty cool, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you can doing actually
1: that. Yeah, you can actually look like the smartest person in the room. So let's let's say that one of your listeners um, is new in their career, uh, and, and they're developing a new product. And they want to get that product out into a um, uh, a Best Buy. It's okay. a technology product. They're trying to get it out, and, and they're they're walking into a meeting, and they know what's going to come up. They're going to say, "Well, what does competition look like? You know, how is it priced?" And you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And 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 they literally, you know, an hour or so before the meeting. They can go out into market, and so when they walk into that meeting, say, "Listen, I just went out and looked at ten, fifteen different Best Buys, sure, uh, and then I I have these fifteen photos of exactly where our product would go, and this is what competition looks like. So here's my recommendation, Kevin. You can look really, really totally. smart in that meeting.
0: No, I I think that's great, but I'm kind of curious to know whether on the field agent or the JITCO side, it's been a few months since you've been on the show. Is there kind of, how either one of those products kind of evolved over over that time? Like, have you guys kind of taken a bunch of feedback from your users and kind of evolved them? Have they kind of stayed the same or, or kind of walk me and the listener through kind of the evolution over the last few months?
1: Sure. Let, let's use that. Uh, we'll stay with Jicko for a while. So, okay. uh, you know, the buzz now people are talking about, gosh, you know, virtual reality, artificial intelligence. Yeah. So the latest, uh, uh addition or, or really change for Jico, we launched it last week, uh, is the beginning part of artificial intelligence. So now when you type in, Hey, I would like to see this or show me a photo of this, uh, We've got enough data coming in now that we can kind of fill in that response for you, just like you would be typing something into Google, and it kind of fills it out for you. Well, we're in that process now of you typing it. By the time you finish typing, we've already got the response back to you saying, is this what you're looking for? You're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, but I didn't know how to say it. So artificial intelligence uh, is really right there in front of us. Now, I'm not going to say we're going to do this tomorrow, but – it's becoming easier and easier now with some of the tools that Amazon Echo and others are providing. And so we're not sure. that far away from saying, you know, hey, Echo, uh, would you tell me or, or send me what the photo for this or would you tell me what the price of this is? I think we're pretty close to make that voice recognition kick in as well. So we're we're moving along those lines.
0: Wow. No, that's, that's kind of fascinating to me, actually, because, like, yeah, it, it seems like more and more – we're just going to end up talking at something at some point and almost like the cell phone how we know it now is kind of going to disappear like i i don't know how that's going to be but it seems kind of a bit almost outdated now to carry kind of a a huge phone in your pocket you're just going to end up talking at something probably in the next three five maybe ten years and it, whether it's, like, a watch you wear with a little screen or, I don't know, like, I know Google Glass. I, I, I don't know. Did you ever try Google Glass just out of curiosity? Total yeah, tangent.
1: But. Yeah. No, we, we did try that out. We kind of played around with it for a while. And here's what we were running into is thinking about just the practical side of that. A, you know, battery drain, couple other things. Sure. And, Listen, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, they'd already outlawed the thing in bars because it was too weird. The, the facial recognition was so good that people felt too creepy because when I would look up and see your face, Kevin, yeah, instantly sure. I had your social media profile pop up and it was almost too invasive. And so we said, you know, let's let that play out. Sure. Uh, you know, we worked pretty hard on uh, the watch aspect of things, but that didn't play out as well. So technology requires to stay on top of it but every now and then you'll have one that makes sense to go work but google glasses just simply didn't pan out
0: sure no and the the thing is that i was going to say about that is like i don't even really care about what it did because i thought it was kind of a cool idea yeah where i think it really fell down is like i was too embarrassed to wear it outside <laughs> of my <laughs> house yeah so like yeah. I don't even care what it did or how cool it was I just couldn't physically have the guts to go outside my house with it on never mind if it was doing all this cool stuff right, right. so so like I, I get why they outlawed it but but I, I think the thing that's interesting about it is at least, Google tried something. It might right. have failed yes, miserably and crashed and burned or, or whatever, but at least they tried something. So I, I think like I wear a smartwatch every day and I, I love it. I, I love the convenience of it. Um, But I don't think we're kind of there yet. And I don't know where the transition is going to be, but, but I love the fact that you guys are kind of up on the forefront of that stuff, right? Because you've built the technology and the artificial kind of intelligence the hard part's kind of done where you guys actually put that whether it's a voice activated thing or it's an interface activated thing or a combination of the two or or something that neither one of us has ever even thought of right now you have the core technology right and if somebody says oh i have this thing and you're like oh we need to port it to that or move it to that it's not really that difficult because you have kind of like the core engine in place is that fair to say
1: that's exactly right you literally literally you are building upon the success that you have as opposed to trying new something new all the time different iterations of what we have today really makes sense and so that's really really what's what's driving us today we are focused on driving and improving that core that we have today and we're simply looking for other verticals or avenues to launch it in
0: sure so i'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on kind of a bunch of things related to just running a company, a startup, kind of a business, being kind of a startup. I I think a lot of people, well, no, let me back up for a second. I think the thing that drives me crazy is a lot of, when you read about how a startup or company or business is run is so based on how it runs in Silicon Valley and like, that's great for silicon valley but i know for a fact because i've had enough people on the show that have been in silicon valley are still in silicon valley or have been in silicon valley and left silicon valley that even in sometimes in silicon valley the stuff you read about silicon valley doesn't even exist in silicon valley so how could that even exist outside of silicon valley but but i think the thing that i'm trying to get at is like you're obviously not in silicon valley and i think that's great and i love the fact that you're not in silicon valley so i think you can give kind of real advice and thoughts and opinions good and bad about what it's really like to run a company that went from nothing to a profitable business that's doing well that's building other products based on something and and so I guess my first question to you is, what do you think makes you go from being kind of a startup to a real business? Do you ever kind of lose that title? Does it matter? Does it?
1: Yeah, yeah it, it Well, in some cases, I have some people on the team that, uh, when they say, "Oh yeah, a field agent is is a startup," it offends them. I'm like, "Oh, oh man, you know, sure. we're we're not a startup. We're doing this," and so. So we we use the the, the term we're a tech enabled company. we were a tech okay. company. Still sounds okay. cool, but it's not the startup. And so, so I'm going to give you the, the the best advice that I've ever been given. Love and it. it. And this started week number two, uh, that we were, we were you know kind of bouncing this idea around. What what do you think? I had a consulting guy that, that does executive coaching, and he's seen a lot of startups. And he's pulled, you know, me and my business partners aside. And said, listen, I'm going to give you this advice and yeah, it's the only thing you remember from our meeting today, write this down. Uh, so you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be really, really philosophical. <laughs> he said, he said, you are only as good as you invoice.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Like, and so you're sure. like, well, that's, and he said, no, no, understand. I want you to think about this. He said, now I, I think if you watch shark tank, I think, uh, what do they say yeah. they call you're a wantrepreneur you're yeah, or you're, yeah, yeah. you're just a very expensive hobby. Well, that's Shit. what he was saying. And so I think you go from a startup to a real business when you are actually sending people invoices and they're paying you money. Sure. Because other than that, Kevin, it's just something fun. I mean, you get some private equity money. You go to spend that. You get your friend's money. It's really cool and it's fun. You're not making any money. Well, man, you keep giving stuff away. That's fun. And that's kind of what startups figure out. But eventually, when you say, hey, I'll charge you $1,000 or $50,000 or you'll sign a $500,000 contract, when you start having those conversations, you're not a startup, man. You're a real business. Sure. And so you're really only as good as you invoice, which is advice that I give to every startup I talk to. When can you start invoicing? And when you do, you'll know if someone's going to pay you or not. If that's the case, you got something.
0: No, sure. And like... The thing that I've always kind of, kind of found like fascinating to me is how some people's business model is well I'm just going to sell the like Facebook, Twitter, or Google, or Amazon or I don't know like there's probably a few others that that I just missed but like that's not a business model right? Like not, if you and I set up a, a brick and mortar store, it doesn't even matter, like a coffee shop. If we were just like, we're just going to give away free coffee until like Facebook comes around or, or Starbucks decides to buy us. People are going to be like, mm, that doesn't really work. But like I never understood how that didn't translate online.
1: Well, and, and I think people are starting to figure that out. So so it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, you, you talk to someone that says, oh, listen, I've got a real great Uh, delivery service I'm going to deliver groceries to college you know students and this is what I'm going to do I said dude I said there's like 50 companies doing that yeah but ours is better well have you have you tried it yet no has anyone paid you for it yet no have you talked to anyone no (laughs) but man my my mom and my brother think it's really cool my girlfriend thinks it's awesome sure you have to get past it and talk to real people they're going to pay you money. So, so oftentimes, um, if you're a guy Kawasaki fan, you think back to the, sure. the work he did. You know, he talks through that all the time And listen, you're never going to know what people think about your product till you get it in their hands, and you're going to learn more at that point in time. So, get your MVP out. Yeah. Again, use your investment money and use your startup skills to get it out. Once you get it out, find out if someone's going to pay you for it. And if they do, drive it. If they're not willing to pay you for it. Then you're still a startup. Go figure it out and keep you know doing different versions of that. And eventually someone says, you know, I'll buy 10 of those widgets, or sure. I'll sign up for a year of that. When you find that out, and you're no longer a startup, you're a real business.
0: Sure. No, I I think that's actually really good advice. And and I always joke with people that for me, because I kind of come as the kind of creative designer kind of type, and and you know, you build this prototype or you roll out this new feature. And you're like you could be thinking you're like the greatest person you know designer ever and then you upload that to like usertesting.com or some other like online testing kind of platform and man it's like if you need an ego check you just upload your stuff to like a a site like that because you will learn so fast how you're just like how can you not see the big orange button or whatever color it is right (laughs) And like that person just like, can't figure it out. And you're like, this is the simplest thing I've ever done. And you're like, wow, you know? So I I think like, it's such a humbling experience sometimes. And it's such a crazy kind of journey. But I, I think like, you're right. Like you, you don't, you're not really a real business until somebody's willing to kind of pay for it. Right. And I think exactly we we forget about that. And like so many startups fail because I don't think they really come in it with a business model in mind. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing along those lines, you think about advice to people, uh, especially those that are really deliberators, those that are just sitting in a room, but I keep doing, you know, version after version, you know, there's something to be said for just making it happen. I mean, just launch it. I mean, sure. the last thing you want to be is that guy in the room that says, you know, I had that idea years ago, but, you know, I had it before you did, and I, I thought it was a really good idea, but I didn't get around to it, so, you know, I, it was really my idea first. I'm like, whatever. Listen, you sure. have to make it happen, and so so sometimes you just have to push go, and so that's the second thing I would tell people is that, yeah, you know, I, I think I've got a good idea. Man, just just go do it. I mean, how much damage can you cause? Virtually none. Are you going to be embarrassed? No. How hard is it going to be? Sure, it's going to be hard, but just go out there and get the product out, get the service out, see what people think, and then get it out of your head. as a stupid idea or is an amazing idea. So you've got to just make it happen.
0: No, I, I think that's really good advice. But one thing that I've always thought that's kind of worked really well for me, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, is if if you roll out something very early on that's maybe rough maybe even a little buggy if you put it in kind of a few maybe maybe favorite customers isn't necessarily the right term but kind of a few select customers that you know and trust that like your product and if you say you know I, I'm tr- testing out this feature It it's not even beta yet it's maybe pretty alpha um I think it's a good idea, but the team doesn't or or vice versa or some people it it doesn't really matter. You put it out to them and you say like give me your honest thoughts. Like you're not going to offend me, don't really care, just tell me how it what you think. And when you have kind of they'll give you their feedback good, bad or other, it doesn't really matter. But the point I'm trying to get is like you if you have these people that are using your product that are paying for it and if you give them almost the ability to help build the future of the product by even giving them kind of a buggy version of something and they get to give feedback it's almost like you're building more loyalty because they feel like they're actually a part of building the product have you found that in kind of your experience with in kind of this game
1: i really have kevin and and so if you look at Jico for us when we were getting ready to launch it uh we went out to about 10 you know really good clients ones that we trusted and more importantly, ones that were really engaged with our product and said, okay, to your point, a little bit buggy, <laughs> if it doesn't reload, don't worry about it. So we need your <laughs> perspective. Now, here's what's interesting with that. All of us have that inner entrepreneurial thing where you want to launch something. Sure. Uh, a lot of us just simply don't have the opportunity. So those 10 people I'm talking about uh, were in companies that they simply you know, were never going to be able to do something like Jico. So it actually allowed them to feel like they were part of a startup for two or three weeks. It was sure. fun, we sent them things at night, they were engaging, they did print screens, they wrote stuff up. And you, you, you genuinely appreciated the feedback they were giving and they knew what they were getting into. So not only is it gonna help you from a product standpoint, but I really think it helps build loyalty to you as it from a company perspective uh, because they really appreciate you taking their advice. And it, it's kinda cool to be a part of because not everyone can jump out and quit the job tomorrow and go do this.
0: Sure. Well, and some people don't want to, too, right? Yeah. But they want that kind of few minutes or few weeks of kind of feeling like they're a part of a startup, right? And uh, I, I think that's kind of great.
1: No, you're, you're exactly right. And so so part of that is, is that, you know, the term I use is that, you know, uh, anyone can be you know, successful. The question is, can you be significant? Interesting. And, and, and you're kind of touching on the significant part is that, yeah, I could go make something that looks really cool. Okay, fine, but you know, no one's gonna use it. The significance part is when you can actually impact someone's life. Now, part of impacting their life can be their work. So, man, I'm impacting their work and I've given them a better product. And Field Agent did that. Amazing product, went out there, disrupted industry. The significance parts on the personal side is just what we we're talking about. Now I go to 10 people and I've been able to impact them significantly as it relates to them being able to do something they never thought they'd be able to do. Uh, it, it's very uplifting. It's it's motivating, and so it wasn't creating the successful thing called JICO when I talked to those ten. It was really being a part of of those guys, you know, career development, to be a part of what they were doing, and really to be able to engage them away, to be to be that be that significant person in their life. That be to be honest with you, is hard to do unless you've got a product like this because not everyone lets you kind of get into their their inner circle like that. And so it was a really cool experience that we had. It wasn't the success thing. It was the significance thing. And that's a really cool thing to do.
0: Sure. No, I I think that's, that's really good advice. So I'm kind of curious though, and you've been doing this kind of since the early days of field agent, but like, how do you guys kind of decide what you're going to tackle next? Because there's so many kind of like new technologies coming out and like, I know AI is kind of the latest thing or, or like everybody in their dog now seems to have some sort of like home device that you talk at that gives you the weather in your day and will order you groceries and etc. cetera. But like, how do you guys kind of decide whether to jump on that bandwagon or, or kind of, you know, maybe wait and see, like, or is it a bit of trial and error or, or how do you guys kind of keep up with technology?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of trial and error, but but for us, it gets back to to what you stated earlier, is that you've got a machine. You want to continue to grow that machine. And and a mistake that that I think entrepreneurs or or, or startups make all the time is they chase the shiny object. And and I'm telling you, Kevin, a shiny object can get you in trouble. Now, we would use the term, you're chasing rabbits, you chase the squirrel, you can make the ADD joke, about oh gosh, he's chasing a squirrel, you know. Uh, It could come into that. But it's very true, because you have limited resources, your sure. clients are expecting certain things from you, and so making what you have better, taking what you have, taking it to a new the vertical, or putting technology on top of what you have is instrumentally better than chasing after a new technology because it thinks it's, you think it's cool, and then you try to sell the same client something new. They're like, wait a minute, I thought you were in data collection, I thought you were a data stream. Oh yeah, yeah, I am, but..." here's this really, really cool thing. Wouldn't you like to do this too? They're like, well, what, what do you, I don't understand what you're doing, right? So, sure. so there is something about chasing technology for technology's sake I think can get you in trouble. Uh, you know, focusing on technology and new within the vertical you're in makes total sense. Now, if you're in a large company you've been running and you've got a couple hundred employees and, and you're the uh, 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 salesforce.com guy, and you want to create something new, man, knock yourself out. I think it's great. Uh, but for most companies, you're going to find that your clients appreciate you bringing technology to them within the core of what you're doing. And I think they really appreciate it and it really builds upon your business. And that's kind of the very first thing that we look at. Does it make our product better? or does it improve the lives of our customers today? If so, let's take technology and let's make it happen.
0: No, I, I think that's really good advice. So this kind of leads me into kind of my next question. and. I've done this at a previous startup that I've worked at and it, it didn't go well, let's put it that way. And I don't want to mention any kind of names, but you know, we had a, a very well known kind of guy out of Silicon Valley. It's been super successful in a handful of spaces and he literally told us like, if we added these three features that he would, you know, potentially invest and kind of work it into his products and, and whatnot and like we chase that so hard for i don't know weeks a couple of times over a different period of time and in the end like it obviously never came um but so i'm kind of curious to know how how do you guys kind of handle those kind of feature requests because it's it's hard for kind of a new startup when somebody says I will sign up a hundred people or or whatever, or my entire sales force or whatever. If you just build these like two features and sometimes to startups that can just be make or break. Right. And then if it never actually comes, it's soul crushing for for lack of a better term. But how do you handle kind of those kind of crazy requests, whether they're crazy or not crazy? Yeah, there's,
1: there's a balance in there. And so for, for us, if I go back to our early days, to your point, you would do just about anything to get any client to say yes to something, right? Sure. You just chase it, you know, blindly to go do that. So, so there are some bets. There's some puts and calls that you have to make. I, I tell you, as you transition a little bit, the way we do this today is that, um, you know, we've always got a list of you know products or or projects or or enhancements of things that our clients are looking for. And we're at the the stage today that we use terms like co-invest. It's, listen, we're absolutely going to go down this path. Uh, I'm not asking you to invest any money in our product because that makes no sense at all. But that being said, you know, I need a purchase order for this. I need to be able to to see the the money in front of me. I don't need you to to write me a check, uh, but I need some skin in the game. And uh, there have been some clients that are like, well, I don't know. And listen, Kevin, they're never going to do it.
0: Sure. If they're they're not going to do it then, right, Right. what do they care
1: Because you got to think of skin of the game for them. Again, talk to a larger company to ask for them for ten, twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars upfront is really, really hard. To tell sure. them that you like to have a purchase order with intent to go do this—that's totally within the, the, their scale of what they can do, within their sure. approval level. They can make that happen, and that's skin again. Now they still could cancel that, but that's a really good, you know, good faith step forward. And so we've used that model, if you will, that's to make that happen. Uh, the okay. other thing is we, we've done some joint things, which is, hey, yeah, I'm going to go do this. And so we get in front of a client with them, their client, and their client says, oh, I love this too. And so it kind of puts them on the hot burner says, wow, well, you better do it now because you just told your client you're going to do it. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's, that's another approach that you can take. But it's all about getting some form of skin in the game. And you're going to know from your client's perspective what they can and can't do. But it's not always money. it's It's okay. some form of commitment that you can get. Now, again – it still could fall through, but at least you've done your due diligence. You've got commitment up front. And I think that's a very fair business transaction to have uh, with your client is to have them put some skin in the game.
0: No, I, I think that's really good advice. And actually, I never really thought about kind of the purchase order side of things, right? Like it's not no money's been exchanged. I haven't really paid for the development of that feature, but or, or getting them in front of the client and getting their client to commit. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think the thing too that people need to think about is you almost need to be like super creative with this stuff, right? Because yeah. it it's like, I, I don't know, like I think the illusion that a lot of people I, I've kind of had that have kind of come and asked me questions about this stuff is like everybody has their insecurities no matter how successful they are or aren't. And everybody kind of decides, well, that a decision, right? And it may pay off, it might not pay off, it might not even really matter. But like, at the end of the day, you kind of need to make these kind of judgment calls and be creative about kind of different ways to come up with this thing, right? And you, you might try it once and you might build the feature and then you don't get the client. And then the next time you're like, okay, well, I want like a purchase order that when we roll this out, that we're, we're going to get that. or whatever, I don't know, whatever the number is, right? So I I think that's really good advice.
1: Yeah. And and what you'll find as as your listeners are thinking through this, like, gosh, you know, with this client, I think they'd be willing to commit to this. And if they did that, then I'm willing to put my resources into it. Uh, And and listen, you find out a lot about people and you find out a lot about clients when either they, you know, renegotiate on that or they make changes on it. And maybe they're not the right client for you anyway. Uh, but at least sure. it's it's a fair way to have the conversation, and I and I think that the no client would be upset and be having that conversation.
0: Sure. So, how do you, how have you dealt with in the past, like a difficult client or kind of a client that isn't necessarily, or thinks that what they bought isn't exactly what you guys provide? Because I think that's gotta be a an that's gotta be an issue that that any startup struggled with, right?
1: Right, right. You know, for us, we have a, a mantra with our account managers, don't live in the gray. I said, so okay. there is nothing worse than a maybe, uh, I think I can, probably, sure, let me check on that. Listen, don't live in the gray. And, and so okay. then so then your account manager says, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, if you talk to a client, and the client's asking for this, or in, in conversation they get something confused, the first thing we always do, and again, it, it doesn't have to be a, a long dissertation, but we recap everything back in writing to our client. You have to. Okay. Sure. You cannot live in the gray. So, well, I, I thought it was going to be orange and red and be a 12. I said, Well, you know, I understand that. Maybe it was a misunderstanding, but, you know, I, remember that meeting recap that I put back together and I told you it was really going to be green and blue and 10? It was really green and blue and 10. And so, That that gray thing kind of gets you in trouble. Now, sometimes it simply doesn't meet expectations. Uh, And and there are times with that where you have to eat some things and, you know what, we didn't deliver. And I'll still say, don't live in the gray. Did we deliver? No, but I really think, you know, I said, no, 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 no Think. Did we deliver? No, we didn't. We'll go back and eat the project or say, listen, we'll give you a credit for something else. Because I honestly believe, Kevin, that we get more business by being yes and no, black and white, the sure. living in the gray and clients well, I under- appreciate you saying I screwed up never going to happen again. Here's how I've made it right. That's great. But maybes and probably are really, really bad things, especially for startups.
0: No, I understand uh, agree with you. I like, I, I actually couldn't agree with you more on that. Like I even try to live my life on that kind of like just, it's either black or white to me. Right. Like, and don't give me the gray. I don't, I don't care about that. Cause it, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't really answer the question, right? So I, I think that's really good advice. But but I'm kind of curious then, just kind of as we're talking about this, how do you guys kind of handle support? Because that's that can be super tricky, right? Like, do you guys have a dedicated team for that? Um, do you as kind of the CEO ever handle support? Like I know, Mike from FreshBooks is kind of I I saw him talk he did a whole day presentation about kind of a startup thing a number of years ago and him and kind of his c-level suite take like a month or sorry a day out of a month to just like sit in the help desk and take field kind of uh, support calls and whatnot and I I don't know if I necessarily agree with that I, I get the premise of it where You know, like it's nice to talk to CEO every once in a while and, you know, you can never get better feedback from then kind of your your customers, whether it's good or bad feedback. But but I'm kind of curious to know, like, how do you guys handle support? Because it's tricky, right? Or it can be tricky.
1: Right. We have two basis uh, or two kind of categories of support. Uh, the one is pretty common for most people, which is classic, you know, client support. And within that client support, we have a DIY model that has truly okay. really dedicated people that you know, have a little pop-up, "How can I help you?" and you can ask an expert kind of thing for a DIY. So, you know, we offer location-based research the same way you would with SurveyMonkey. You can just Got you. log in, and go do that. Well, then we have account managers that, hey, Kevin, if you're a good ca- account uh, of mine. You're going to call Rick because I mean you've got a dedicated account manager, and, and you're going to spend time. And so, forget your salesperson, forget me, the CEO. You're going to talk to Sally or Sue or Bill or Bob because
0: got you. they
1: are your account manager. Now, that's for our the business side over there. Now, on the other side, we have agents, we have everyday people that uh, have problems like this. I thought I did the job right, man. You're not paying me, and hey, uh, you know, I thought this is the way I was supposed to do this, and something doesn't look right, and so. We have about 25 part-time and four full-time people, and all they do is sit on Zendesk and engage agents 24-7. It's all interesting. Because we have to. Because, again, we're getting data in near real time. We have to go do that. Now, for me, I mean, the last thing they want is for me to sit on that because, like, oh, no, Rick, you're going to say yes to everything. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like a nightmare walking in. You know? But every now and then, sure. you know, to his point, you know, I don't have a formal way to do that, but every now and then we'll get a big surge, it's a crazy weekend, it's a Black Friday weekend, or it's a big sure. Super Bowl weekend. And so I'll go down and answer some support, and I spend more time saying now, how do I do this, and, and how are things <laughs> sure. change? But it is kind of fun to engage in that. But if you think about support for us, we feel that you knowing the person on the other side makes sense, and on the agent side, to get quick response is really, really important. So in one avenue we have speed, and the other avenue, we have some quickness in it, but it's really more about being more dedicated to have more of a consistent person. And that's how we handle uh, feedback back and forth.
0: No, I, I think that's interesting. The the other thing that kind of spins off from that is some of your agents, well, I, probably most of your agents are kind of just, they're potentially the general public, right? For for lack of a better term for it. and And obviously their technical ability could range from you know, I have, I have had every Android and iPhone and iPad and every tech gadget for the last 20 years, or this is my first smartphone yeah. and I want to make some extra side money, right? Like, and everywhere in between. So how do you kind of handle just like that kind of technology gap, right, between your, your agents?
1: Well, you know, so, so what happens with this is we feel like we do a really good job of simplifying things from a task standpoint. And okay. so um, day one was more difficult for us because everyone had a new phone. They're trying to figure things out. They're, they're, they're overwhelmed with technology. But from today's perspective, people pretty much get the phone. They get the technology in front of them. So sure. for us, it's being more methodical in what we do. And we break things into very bite-sized pieces for people to be able to consume because – uh, we don't want to overwhelm folks. And that's part of the secret sauce that we do. And we've been doing this now for as you know, seven plus years. Uh, and I would argue that my team is the best in the business in articulating needs, laying out very op- specific operational processes, creating sure. great methodology. And so it really does oversimplify things to the fact that we can take a very complex request and we don't have to train 10,000 people. We can simply put the request out and we get great, great data back in
0: interesting okay no that that makes a lot of sense and i i, I guess like to your point majority of people if not everybody kind of have a, have a smartphone in north america and a lot of other parts of the world right so and most of them have taken a photo before or if you're on ios kind of use facetime um i i still think like i, I prefer android over ios and people might shoot me for that but i, I think like um you know, like just kind of people know their platform, right? And I still they, think they, like
1: they they really do. But even if you think about that, the platform, someone said, Well gosh, how do I do this on an Android? How do I do this on an iPhone? The people in our support group, we have people that have, you know, iPhones and Androids. And so they're somewhat experts too. There's like, oh dude, just pull up your phone and they'll have their phone and they'll talk you through it.
0: Yeah. Okay, interesting. No, that that's actually really good. Because and there's like a trillion android type phone so i i I totally get that it's crazy (laughs) yeah so i i feel for the people that have to support android phones because it's like well which phone is it which weird interface do you have by some weird vendor (laughs) (laughs) no i i totally get that so but but sadly rick we're we're coming to the end of the show i i wish we had more time and, and i i would love to have you again on the show to just kind of continue the conversation. Cause I think we could probably talk for other handful of episodes really about kind of this stuff, but, but I think we should wrap up the show with mentioning where people could get more information about yourself, field J field agent and Jicko online. Uh, sure.
1: You know, for field agent, it's, it's, it's for, it's pretty straightforward. It's fieldagent.net and that's all one word. Uh, You know, log in there. You can sign up to be a DIY person, can gather more information. And if you're an agent, you can find us uh, uh, in iTunes if you want to actually make some money so we can actually pay you some cash to collect data for us. Just go to iTunes and put in field agent where the uh, orange background with a white tie, you can't miss us. And for those that want to impress someone when they walk into a meeting or they want to be the expert in the room, uh, go to GoJico, G-O-J-I-C-C-O.com. Put in a, a question. We'll give you one for free. Play around with it and be the smart guy in the room. So that's the easiest way for people to find out about us. And of course, you know, Kevin, they can check out, you know, information on you on your side as well about previous podcasts as well.
0: Perfect. Rick, well, again, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show. And we'll keep in touch like we always have. And uh, hopefully we can do another one of these again uh, soon.
1: Listen, I look forward to it, Kevin. Thanks a lot, man.
0: Thanks, man. Later. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.